0: Hello and welcome to Home to Her, the podcast that's dedicated to reclaiming the lost and stolen wisdom of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Liz Kelly, and on each episode, we explore her stories and myths, her spiritual principles, and most importantly, what this wisdom has to offer us right now. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Everybody, before we dive into this next episode, I wanted to pop on here and give a little plug for my next upcoming course through the Home to Her Academy. It's called Returning to the Well Sacred Wisdom for the Motherhood Journey. And I'm teaching this in partnership with the wonderful and amazing Elizabeth Gould, who is a past podcast guest and also a mother, writer, teacher, and menstrual activist, and the former director of a nonprofit dedicated to positive menstrual and menopausal education and awareness. We have been collaborating and dreaming this up for many months now. And this is a five-week online course that explores the divine journey of motherhood and what it means to parent in partnership with the sacred feminine. It begins Sunday, October 29th. Classes are at 2 p.m. Eastern time. They're live and will be recorded if you are not able to join in person. And as always, all the classes through Home to Her Academy are designed to be interactive and engaging. So for this one, we will include the historical perspectives on motherhood, goddesses and archetypes that teach us about divine mothering, discussion around what it means to weave the sacred into our everyday parenting practices and activities, creative writing exercises, movement, meditation, and more. And uh, we are offering this at this time of year for a very specific reason. If you're listening to this when it's released, you know that we're headed into the end of the year, which can get very, very hectic with the holidays for a lot of us. So we want to explore together what it means to bring more intention, more care, and more self-care to these times, which will benefit not only our children, but ourselves. So check it out. Classes are offered live on Zoom. It starts October 29th on a Sunday. You can learn more and register at home to And you can find all of this in the show notes. And that's it. Hope you enjoy today's show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is Liz joining you as usual from Central Virginia and the unceded lands of the Monacan Nation. And if you've been listening for a while, you know what I'm going to say next. If you want to know whose native lands you might be residing on, this is especially helpful if you're in North America, um, check out native-land.ca. There's a fantastic map there. You can learn whose lands you're residing on, and then that's a great first step because then you can also start learning where are those people now? Are they still there? What can you learn from them in their own words? It's just a nice way to deepen your connection with the ancestral people of where you are and as well as the land itself. So if you're so inclined, check that out. And if you are interested in learning about the sacred feminine in a deeper way, then I would love to encourage you to check out my new online school, home to her academy. My vision for the school is to bring together qualified, really engaging instructors who can teach us about the sacred feminine in ways that are first rooted in the historical record, it's so rich, we might as well turn towards it, Um, but also embodied and intuitive, so inviting us to know with more than our minds so we get that both and experience. Um, to learn in ways that are intersectional. So it's really addressing these the realities of the messy entanglements of spirituality, patriarchy, misogyny, racism, colonialism, all of that. Um, and then ways that are practical. So meaning that we can apply this to our real, ordinary, complicated lives. Because let's be honest, while maybe some of us would like to run away to a um, remote corner of the forest in our witch's hut and just stay there for years, like we, we can't do that. So check out home to to see what's going on and what's coming up. You can sign up for my newsletter while you're there so you can be notified of classes as they roll out. Be patient with me if you don't see a lot there. That doesn't mean there's not a lot coming and that I'm not working on it behind the scenes really diligently. It just, um, you know, I'm trying to practice what I preach here too and letting these things evolve um, the way they need to, but I can promise you that I have many, many ideas and courses that are in the works that are going to be coming so i will put that in the show notes um and then one last plug for me and my work if you'd rather read about the sacred feminine maybe check out my book home to her walking the transformative path of the sacred feminine it's all called home to her easy to easy to keep up with um my book came out um Late 2022 from WomanCraft Publishing. It's a 2023 Nautilus Gold Award recipient. I feel super proud and happy about that. Um, And it's available wherever you buy your books. But if you are thinking about buying it, please do consider buying it from WomanCraft. They're an amazing woman-owned business or order it from your local bookstore. Give your your local businesses some love. And um, if you've read it and you like it, reviews on Amazon and Goodreads in particular are super helpful. I'm so grateful for them. They mean a lot to people. And especially because I chose a heart-based choice with my publisher as a small independent publisher, Um, things like reviews really do go a a long way. Uh, And the same is true with podcast reviews. If you like this show, um, please consider leaving it a favorable review. You don't even have to write words. Just give it five stars on iTunes is super helpful uh, or anywhere that you're listening to your podcast. And then finally, if you have thoughts for me, um, please reach out. Social is a really good way to do that, but I love it when uh, I hear from you and you tell me what you think about a particular episode or you give me your ideas and suggestions. So please keep that coming. Um, And with that, let's get on with the real reason why you are here. So my guest today is, I think, is truly prolific in terms of her output and service to women to the divine, to fostering understanding of and connection with this thing that I call the sacred feminine. We'll see how she feels about that language. Um, I've known about her work for a while and I, I knew that it was gonna be just a matter of time before we met and connected. And I am really, really excited to have her with me today. So let me go ahead and introduce her to you now. Kay Louise Aldred is a researcher, writer, and teacher who catalyzes individual, institutional, And collective evolution through education, embodiment, and creativity, amalgamating metacognition, intuition, and instinct. I feel like we can spend the whole episode just unpacking that sentence, and who knows, maybe we will. (laughs) She facilitates in person and online, live, and pre recorded trauma informed events and courses alongside providing mentorship. She is also the author of the books Mentorship with Goddess, Growing Sacred Womanhood, Making Love with the Divine. Sacred Ecstatic Erotic Experiences, and Somatic Shamanism, Your Fleshy Knowing and the Tree of Life. These are all published by Girl God Books. Some of you might remember Trista Hendren. Um, wonderful Trista Hendren was an early early guest on this show. Um, and then in addition, Kay and her husband, Dan Aldred have just published a brand new book called Embodied Education, Creating Safe Space for Learning, Facilitating and Sharing. I believe also from Girl God. Yes, yes also from Girl Guide Books. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um, and Kay is joining us today from her home in Northern England. Kay, thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm delighted. That was a really lovely introduction and lovely to hear you speak to your own work as well. So really happy to be here sharing the space today.
0: Thank mm, you. Thank you. Um, I do really want to unpack that sentence. <laughs> I usually just start with asking people about their spiritual experiences growing up but I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna mix it up today and I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you about this I I specifically want to ask about um amalgamating metacognition oh my god I can't even speak metacognition intuition and instinct can you talk to me a little bit about um, what you mean by that
1: yes with pleasure Liz uh, that is my usual um kind of response it in, in podcasts, they go straight to that sentence oh! because it's like, what on earth does that mean? So I'm happy to do that. Um, I'm not
0: even original. That's, that's a bummer, but <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I, I speak uh, to that because my, my journey has been really, really fragmented. So I began trying to understand self, my, my, who I am and divinity in the mind, mind-based academically and um and and through logic and i and then i dropped into the body and went to the somatic the eros route and searched for it there and what i have found is that we we need both mind we need metacognition we need our thinking our ability to think about our thinking and and our thinking processes and bring on our creative mind alongside um intuition and instinct which are usually an embodied experience. I believe that in society and in education and in our exploration of the divine, we need all aspects of self. So I never leave any part out. I bring on metacognition, the mind, our intuition, our, our sixth sense, that that thing that is beyond mind and body really, and then I- instinct, which is in the Im- embedded um nature of divinity within the body, our nervous system, our um and kind of resolution of trauma and in that finding divinity it's like i i'm speaking to the whole being of the whole person um and so that's why i amalgamate metacognition thinking about our thinking de de decontaminating our thinking from patriarchal ways and conditioning intuition the sixth sense and then our instinct our embodiment Mm. does that make sense It makes so
0: much sense. I love that. Um, It feels very in alignment with what I was saying with the Home to Her Academy too, like wanting to merge these things. And then I I have a follow-up question to that, which is, how how do you know which one to listen to and which one to follow in a given situation? Which I know every situation is different, but I'm curious how you kind of parse that out in your own life and your own experience.
1: Beautiful. Um, If in doubt, go to the heart. Um, and, and ask the heart to arbitrate between mind and body, our, our thought processes and our gut instinct. And so um, one method that I've actually taken into education or I'm advocating for is that we ask children when we're educating them and adults, what does your mind say? What does your gut and your body say? And then let's finally, if they are conflict, especially, what does the heart say? Listen to the heart, go into the heart, go into the intuitive gentle nature and so when I'm trying to discern which and if I'm unsure where to go to I listen to all three parts but then go to the heart for the final say Mm,
0: oh I love that so much I wonder not to put you on the spot but do you have any do you have an example perhaps of when you've sort of worked with a a bigger decision or something that you were able to drop in and do that process to guide you
1: so I'm 50 in December, and um, I really want to go to Japan. Mm. And so I go to the mind and say, you know, do you want to go to Japan? And the mind's like, yes, I can't wait to see the simplicity of, of how they live, their ethos. You know, the kind of the tea ceremony and how they approach their, their, their communion with divinity and, and spirituality. And then I drop to the body and the body goes, no, the long haul fight. I can't. It's too much uh i'm not sure that you you would be able to cope with the the jet lag or whatever you know Mm -hmm. that kind of the body's a no and then i go to the heart and the heart says yes we can hold space for that if we tend to what the body needs so although i probably could have spoken more deeply that's the one that's coming to mind and i'm working actually with that now because i do want to do that travel in the next decade
0: well and i think that's a really that's a really good and instructive example too because um that to me, that brings up this dance of, um, the, like respecting the, the nervous system and the the body, which is real, right? Like how much can this system and this body hold Like we do need to respect that container and then also recognizing, and I don't know that this is what you're saying, but this is what's coming up for me is that sometimes, um, whether it's past trauma or past experience or something, there's like something that gets locked in the body. That's like, no, 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 no. That's a little scary to me, you know? Um, and and it's sort of work to figure out, um, am I just pushing myself towards an edge of growth or is this like a boundary that I need to keep to preserve and protect this container? And there's no easy answers to that, right? Like it's, a, it's gonna be deeply personal and it will be situation by situation right
1: perfect yeah that's i agree i agree and and that sensitivity to understanding and how far we can put ourselves uh, in positions of um dysregulation or growth really the heart does know Mm -hmm. uh, i feel that's been my lived experience anyway
0: yeah yeah the word longing is coming up to me and that feels very heart-based like um you know that feeling of like oh i'm so drawn to this like i'm i'm touching my heart because i feel like that's that's where i feel that kind of intuitive wisdom and typically that longing i think is is, is pointing me in the right direction even if it's scary <laughs>
1: exactly
0: yeah exactly okay well let's get back on track not that we're off track but I thought this was so helpful i love that we just went right into it um I would love to hear about some of your spiritual experiences growing up and your background your whether that's religious or otherwise. Um, and, you know, listeners to the show know that I always ask this and I, I'm just mostly curious. I love to hear this uh, from people, but I also like to hear, you know, like what was supportive perhaps of you and, and what wasn't like, what did you, what was worth carrying forward? What told you I want to go in a different direction? So I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Yes, and do stop me if I kind of go on too long because I guess in my whole fifty years I've been immersed in in the search in in um in the in spirituality but also within theology, um. So my background was from um my family background was High Anglican church, so so um. Church of England, as it's called over here, but high High Anglican, so closer to Catholicism than perhaps, you know, your more traditional Protestant-based um, um, church upbringing. Uh, and I, I lived in a really interesting house where I had a scientist mother um, who, she was a doctor of zoology and she was atheist, I'd say, and a psychologist father who was very much immersed in um, his, his own Christian upbringing. And there was a tension within the house of a very rational um basis and critique, but also a highly um psychological based understanding of Christianity. And I was immersed in that. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I fell in alignment with with the church uh, side and was went to church and was head chorister all the way through. You know, completely confirmed Anglican. Um, did GCSE and A level RE. Then went on and did a degree in theology and um, kind of traditional biblical theology. Um, Very much seeking, as I said, in the rational, trying to understand the the Gospels and look at the different ways of storytelling within the Gospels. All the way through until my graduation, um, when I considered going into priesthood ordination in the Anglican Church and didn't. Um, I actually went on and trained as an RE teacher and taught in secondary education RE. Um, and I'm giving you this background just to show that this theme has run throughout my entire life. Um, had my children and then went on and did a master's in theology. Mm-hmm. And when I did my master's in theology, that was when, because I had children, I think that was the portal to break me over and in, open into my embodiment and spirituality coming through that birth experience. Um, and it brought up a lot of trauma and questioning of the goodness of human nature and why things happen at a deeper level, because I was in my body because I'd birthed three children. Yeah. And so the answers of the scripture and the the, the logic-based religion weren't enough. And so in my masters, that was when I turned to looking at the theology of the erotic. The Gospel of Mary Magdalene. I was writing about that in two thousand and five. Liberation theologies, um, the theology of well-being. I very much went down that route, and then and then my life took a different turn, and there was a lot of trauma, and, and uh, I had I was divorced, and um, went back to teaching and carried on teaching, and then I came back to spirituality deeply in twenty fifteen where I actually went into the Anglican um priesthood ordination process again, thinking I could take embodiment into that sphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I always have to share that whilst I was walking the ordination process in the Anglican church, I was also doing um energy and shamanic training simultaneously. And I had to be literally booted out of the Christian church to find I could not leave that family doctrinal system until they went you're not right for us off you go and that was my turning point 2015 where I went okay I'm going to to find my own way here there's another way and then came into the the books that I've written are really based on my life experience of searching for goddess the the sacred feminine the feminine of the female body um and yeah that's that's where I, I went but I couldn't give up the church until they booted me out. Literally, I feel like I've dotted around there, Liz. But I'll just pause.
0: No, that's that's really that's very helpful. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good um, you know timeline. I think it's helpful to get your background there. And I, you know, there's a little part of me as you're talking that's just, um, that you know kind of it breaks my heart a little bit that that <clears throat> there isn't space for, or that you didn't experience that there was space. In the um, tradition of your ancestry, like your lineage, for you to be authentically who you are, and um, you know, and also I, I relate to that deeply, and um, and I think there have been many guests on this show who have had a similar experience, who maybe would would want to to bridge it, and that there is i won't i won't make a blanket statement about christianity here because i don't know everything but it does seem like this is a common experience of wanting to be more expansive and to hold on to some aspects of that tradition and finding it very difficult to do so
1: and speaking to the um when i did my master's and did the recover, i did a a piece a research piece on called recovering mary magdalene so this is pre megan Watson's work and so on it's 2005. i was like oh Oh, the Gnostic Gospels. Oh, the Gospel of, of the Magdalene. Oh my word! You know there was there is this tradition that's just not written within, um, right. within within the of you know the traditional Christian framework, and then and and yes, I mean you know I I don't the I, there I can't find real truths within the gospel and within the stories uh, and i haven't thrown that out at all it's just the system and the and the structures do not support the living breathing um divinity of the female form and so um and i was asking that questions in the ordination process or how are we going to engage more girls how are we going to you know allow them to feel the divinity of their their how do we support them in their sexuality you know i'm actually asking this you can imagine the church's response can't you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, wow, wow. <laughs> sex? Whoa, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, And so, but I'm glad it's almost, yeah, I had to really push them to show that because I was so desperately wanted to belong.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was gonna to say too, one thing that I've noticed about your books is that you do weave in scripture. You do weave in references to scripture. Um I, I noticed that in, in your book in particular, Making Love with the Divine, like multiple places. And so um I think that's interesting too when we 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 figure out, because this has happened for me and I think I've talked about it on the show. I I pray the divine I pray a divine feminine version of the rosary um every day. I I have a very deep relationship to, to Mary. I mean, she but she's the She's a mother goddess to me. And I don't think I could have gotten here had I stayed within the Christian framework, irony of irony. So I feel like I have a deeper relationship <laughs> with Mary and even to a certain extent Jesus. I, I consider him a guide. Um, he's important to me, but it, it all exists completely outside of that framework of the church. Same here. And <laughs> you yeah. also, we're showing, if you listeners, we're showing each other, we're both wearing, um, I don't know which one yours is. This. Mine is the, I don't forget now the name, the Oh my god i'm totally drawing a to blank um miraculous Monday. what's Matthew it Mary. She's Mary. yes we're both wearing Mary necklaces um <laughs> the lovely woman sent me this right before um the co- or right as the COVID pandemic was starting in earnest and um it's been i've worn it you know <laughs> religiously <laughs> ever since <laughs> <laughs> unintended um yes well so so let's talk about the sacred feminine then. And I would love to know first of all if you don't like that language, you feel free to use whatever words work for you. But do you feel like she showed up in your life at a particular moment, or was it just sort of a growing awareness? Or how did that how did that evolve for you?
1: And you know, this changes every time I, I, I get asked that because it, it it is a it's like she's it's not static at all how I remember or even place her in my life timeline. Um, but as you said that there, I'm thinking the first time, um, she was the presence was there. It was in incidents of tra- trauma, as a child, where aloneness, and it's that blanket of I suppose what we would call the Black Madonna energy, the the dark feminine. In the darkness is presence, is comfort, um, is, is the envelopment of of the the child that's shaking. She's there, um. Without recognition or naming herself or coming in any form, it was very much a somatic experience for me. And then the next time I guess she really showed up was was in twenty fifteen when I had the um, I had an accident and uh, I could not have got any deep more in the depths I think of despair than at that moment. And and when all else was gone, it's really the Beatles song for me that you know Let It Be is. when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me and speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And it's like, let the absolute despair be the bottom of the pit, be bottomless. And I will be the air underneath that holds you as you fall through the chasm of despair. Mm. So, and it's so symbolic and pictorial and metaphorical, it's really hard to give a concrete language to um and so she for me she's the net she's the container she's beyond sacred feminine even for me she's beyond god goddess she is the structure of holding us that's how i feel she is shown up in my life um the matter of reality is 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 the is the sacred feminine Mm. it's a bit esoteric sorry forgive me lizard i went of his
0: of piece there <laughs> no I that that resonates for me I had two images that came to mind as you said that and one is um a net or like um like spider web you know like just the weaving the world together um and the other is and this is how I often think of her and actually call her in every day and I and I put the name of Mary on her I think because my limited human mind cannot comprehend something that is so large <laughs> Um, but I, I, I call her in as the cosmic void and to me the void is not it's not absence of anything it's the presence of everything it's the the dark matter of sorts that's holding all of it which I feel like is kind of like what you're you're saying yes yes Agree. Right? yeah, yeah great yeah well I want to talk about some of your books that you've written because they're lovely. And I think one of the things that I really enjoy about them is um they take you on a journey and they're I you really see your commitment to education and experiential learning coming through because it's not, you're not just sitting down and reading, you know, and um I say even in my own book, you know, I do include some reflection questions at the end of each chapter, but Um, when I wrote that the goal was like, here, let me give you all this information, you know, like, I know all that. I know all these things and I want to share it with you so badly. Let me give this all to you. And what I love about your books is that it's really feels like an invitation to like journey with these, um, points of insight or lessons that you're sharing so that you make it your own. I think that's really, um, Lovely. And I'm guessing maybe you could talk a little bit to that, like what your your goal is with your writing, because it does feel like it's very education and transformation oriented.
1: I'm delighted that you felt that, because <laughs> uh, my biggest fear is that anybody feels anything's done to them or told yeah. to them as an yeah. educationalist. Um I, I do see myself as um, sharing um, information and for people to make it their own. So thank you for that reflection. And it also echoes my long term aim, which is really to speak to um, how we educate spiritually in society. Look at new structures that we can do that through and in. But more specifically, um, critiquing the RE curriculum. I was trained as an RE teacher. And what Um, does RE
0: stand for? Religious
1: education. Religious education.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, eleven to eighteen and. Um, But I also have done work in primary, which is the younger ones. And and I feel that really, I think we need to critique and look at what we're educating children around in terms of spirituality and religion. Not saying throw anything out, but I I think that we're missing um, supporting them in their spiritual well-being. So I guess my books are me producing curriculums that we could experiment with and can we somehow bring those into education or at least critique the current education system so that we can bring more yes goddess spirituality of course we need nature-based spirituality we need embodiment spirituality and and finding me for me spirituality means finding meaning in your day-to-day life and communing with something that is beyond self whatever that is is up to you and so the books are very much hey, come and try this out. If it doesn't work, don't worry. Try try this, try this. Um, and so yeah, that's really my long-term aim mm-hmm. between now and 70. I've got 20 years. I feel. Oh,
0: you've got tons of time. I mean, you you're kind <laughs> of you're, you're kind of prolific here. Like I, I said that in the intro. So I, I have full faith in all that you can accomplish in the next 20 years. I think it's gonna, you're you're just fine. Um well, and I I loved, um, I, yeah, I just, I, I love the invitation to reflect and all of that. Um, and to make that, that spiritual journey personal, right. Which is of course, as it should be, <laughs> of course. Um, well, and also I, you're, I really loved your book. I, I love them all, but I really loved your book, making love with the divine. And in that you wrote, um, that you were passionate about tangible divinity and you said, I write and teach about the fusion of the mundane and sacred and the holiness of flesh. And I just, I love that so much that underlined it. And I I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about this idea of what tangible divinity means to you.
1: I don't think I would be alone in um, not being satisfied with with divinity being a concept that is in the mind. Yeah. I, I certainly don't think it's only um, women who are seeking for that. I think we're all longing, like you said, that desiring to feel fully alive, fully like, expansive. Yeah. And for me, tangible divinity is being able to be in joy and connectedness with yourself fully and the environment you're in. And the light that's behind me here and the beauty of that that I could play with if I wanted to.
0: Mm-hmm. I know um, so you'll have to look at the video listeners to see it. It is quite lovely. Um.
1: <laughs> you know, that's like, wow. What, you know, for me, that is quite a, a, a divine, like a, a divine experience because it's something beyond self that I'm curious about. And then connected with my land that you said at the beginning and really connecting into Earth and serving the space that I'm in, my community and then connecting with something's bigger, a bigger purpose, making meaning of my life, and that all happens in and through the body. So for me, tangible divinity is going in and through our in full embodiment, our senses, our um, our obviously our minds as well, and our heart. And and so it, it's not enough for me for divinity to just be a concept. I have to like the doubting Thomas. I have to feel and see and touch it in order. For it to be fully real for me mm-hmm.
0: does that answer it? yes it does and so in that book um and you tell me if this sounds right to you but it, the way i experienced that book making love with the divine is all about ways in which you can literally touch the divine right like have that interaction um does that does that feel right to you yeah
1: yes and, and it was based on, I invited in reflections from people. I, I had the, it was a global audience that connected in. There was some, a set of questions. And then some people offer Zoom longer form interviews with me where they shared their experience of divinity. Um, and from the, I, the making the, the, the divine cup of coffee, don't like cup of coffee, but that share um, was phenomenal, you know and the the sensuousness and the eroticism of that that ritual that that woman had embedded in her day-to-day life was was divine for her to people's pets or cold swimming in water or a piece of music uh or touching a newborn or hanging out washing you know and this the sense of that uh and you know the orgasmic experience of that which was not sexual in and of itself was it but it was expensive this is all divine in the mundane um and so for me that's tangible divinity
0: Mm -hmm. yes i mean some of what you're saying too is making me think of tantra you know like tantric school of thought right of of that yes like just finding the ecstasy and like the union um in in our everyday experiences so powerful and i want you to I want to hear you talk more about some of those ways in which you write about, you know, like how we can make love with the divine. Um, But I also am curious if you could speak to in your experience, either through those interviews, I don't know if you got into it with the interviews, but even just in your own life, like what are the things that you feel like slow us down? I was going to say block us from, from those ecstatic experiences, but, but limit us from, from feeling it and recognizing it. And how do we, how do you think we work with that to make sure we are really having those experiences or recognizing them when they're happening.
1: I'm thinking of education, particularly uh, anything that closes down our joy or makes judgment on our joy. If the joy that we're experiencing or the young person, let's say, is experiencing is not hurting anyone, Okay, <laughs> we don't want joy to be abusive to other people. But it's not hurting them um, moving or splashing in a puddle, let's say. Um, you know the child that's splashing in the puddle is having is is making up of the divine. they're they're in their pure joy and communing with the element of water and the laughter that comes through that guttural um you know sound that comes through that is the in the mundane and it's closed down and controlled by firstly education I think, I'm not going in down the line of parents because I know I will have done that with my own children because I was rushing around. You know, I, I, I we we're doing the best yes. we can. But if we look at education, it is really we are shut down and controlled and battered down in our embodiment to just mind. And once we go just to mind and judgment and logic, and what's the purpose of that anyway? Exploring that sort, then we are cutting off. That's what limits our. Communion with with divinity on a day to day basis, and it suits controlling uh, systems to batter down the embodiment. So that's the agenda, and I think that's what cuts us off, having very little time to to daydream and and be in our our flow states and and um, silliness and just doing for the sake of doing uh, rather than for productivity oh my word it's such a big thing but also because um often with little children if we see them in that joy and that communion with the divine we close them down because it's too painful for us to see it as adults that's mm. mm-hmm. a bit big
0: no but. i you know it's and i apologize to listeners if i i can't always remember what i mentioned on the show versus what i mentioned other people so if i've already told this story you're welcome to fast forward but um what came to mind when you were talking is um, this experience that I had, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, I had come back from, I went to uh, Hawaii on a yoga retreat. um, And it was, it was really informative. Um, Like one of the things we did was it's called laughter yoga. And um, you know, there's, there's an element of silliness to it. And there's an element of just like allowing yourself to, you know, just to bring in some joy and playfulness. And I was, noticing that it was really fun and that also that it was somewhat challenging for me and maybe for some of the other people to participate in that experience fully. And then I was holding that and thinking about that. And I came back and I was volunteering at my, my daughter's school. I think she was in kindergarten at the time, first grade. I'm not sure, but I was volunteering in the library and um, the kids were there doing story time. And then after the story time, I'm pretty sure they were in kindergarten they all come out and the teacher is like, and I loved the teacher. She's a lovely person, but very focused on getting these kids to walk in a line, walk in a line, you know? And kids don't want to walk in a line. They want to walk goofy. They want to like stop and stare at the bird or like the, the whatever they're seeing. They just listened to a story that made them happy. Like they want to giggle. They want to bump into their friends. And it really struck me how early we start Indoctrinating, and that's the word, right? Indoctrinating our children to give up their joy and 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 literally fall in line. And of course you don't want kids running into the parking lot or like, you know, you've got an agenda, like you've got it. But what would happen if you just let them, if you were like, okay, we all gotta be back in the classroom in the next five minutes. I need my eyes on you, but you get there how you want. You know, And what would happen? I, I just because what really hit me, too, in that experience was how hard it was for us as adults and how we're working so hard to reclaim this. And God knows not everybody can fly to Hawaii and do a yoga retreat, you know, and uh, and, and we really have to work to bring that sense of joy and, and give ourselves permission to do it. And then here we are teaching our kids so early to lock down the very thing that we're trying so hard to reclaim later on in life. That was really, it was profound to me. Mm -hmm.
1: And it is about, uh, and this is why I'm trauma informed and nervous system aware because joy, the expansion of joy can feel even more of a threat really than attack sometimes to actually go into and be seen in that goofy joy, that bold joy, that, um, like eye open uh, expansiveness can, can feel threatening because how many times have we had a wagging finger telling us off to close it down and so when I've worked with my nervous system the joy piece has only really been in the last two years that since I've written actually that I've really started to open to the full expansion of my capacity to make love with the divine through joy yeah
0: Oh, yeah, that really, that feels profound, what you just said, that that going into the joy can feel scarier than some of the other things. I think that's really true. And I'm curious in all of your theology work, just, and I know there's not one answer, so we'll just go ahead and put that out there. But in all of your theology work, I want to know what the origins are of shutting this down and the the purpose of it i mean besides power which seems so obvious and limiting but i don't know do you
1: have any perspective on that i think it's um a woman in her true joy if we think of uh women that we've seen move in their joy so loose hips uh Mm -hmm. and their limbs are supple and they throw their guttural in their laughter and they're big in their appetites all aspects is an incredible threat to the system of religion and theology because she will speak back in truth to her embodied connection to the divine, to the scripture that can't touch that. So for me, it, the origin, the theological origin, is um, the uh, um, kind of the shutting down of women's appetite in all aspects and and movement and um and bringing pain to the body rather than joy and pleasure that to me is the origin and of course we go back to genesis don't we yes suffering childbirth so it is it was a very the bible is very well crafted to um to shame Mm. uh and to shut down women's embodied experience it's crafted to do that for a reason to control
0: yes so I, a couple of things came up as you said that I was thinking about, I've, I've recently gotten, um, I, I did it for a while and then took a break and I'm really committed to it. Now my dance practice, so I do five rhythms dance, um, uh, which I'll, I'll put a link if, if anybody doesn't know what that is, you know, so you can learn about it. I wish Gabrielle Roth were still alive. I'd love to have her on the podcast. Um, but that practice is so powerful for me. And I, I, I was sen- sensing that and feeling that as you were talking about a woman in her full joy and how, um, how I've seen that, how I will often walk onto the dance floor and still do the judgy, kind of patriarchal judgy thing of like, look at us, we're a bunch of misfits. <laughs> and then by the end of the dance, I'm like, everybody here is so freaking beautiful. Like I can't even stand it. Like it's just stunning how beautiful these ordinary human beings are. But what I was thinking about with that expansiveness too is that for me, and I'd be curious, maybe this takes us back to the idea of making love with the divine the sexual and the spiritual are deeply intertwined because that's like life force energy that's moving up. And um, I was literally seeing, and it's not just in a gendered way, but this is how I'm seeing it. Men turning away from the church and towards (laughs) this beautiful body expansion. And it's not just about sex, but it's also about sex because that is like this joyful ecstatic experience that you can have that is, I don't know. I'm just gonna say for me it's way more meaningful than reading a book in a in a church sitting in a pew.
1: Exactly. And and more mystical. Yeah and 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 more connective. Yeah. Um and I, I can I also say too um there's that a woman in her joy and in her true connectedness with the divine can't be sold to. So she breaks down the capitalist structures. It's free. <laughs> the book, that's what I've the point I'm making. Make the point I make in the Making Love book over and over again is it's free. Don't be sold to, yeah? You can access this in and through your body in the mundane day-to-day. And it might not be movement. It could be um, a really beautiful, intimate relationship with your partner. It can be in, in in you know, wild water swimming. It doesn't really matter what it is, but it's free. And so it's anti-capitalist as well and non-consumerist. We can't be sold to. We're nice. not, we're out of the the structures have been have been controlled it's it's radical and that's what they knew
0: yes absolutely well and can you give some more examples like some of the categories that you explore in that book of making love with the divine I know you've kind of spoken to a few examples here and there but can you maybe just um weave a little bit more around that to help it bring to life for people
1: yeah sure so I talk about music uh, and you exploring which vibration of music really hits you at a cellular level and a goose pimply level movement is one um and for some people it's the rhythm of running just that yes. um or walking um being in nature um food um nurturing obviously ch- children is what parenting is one aspect of it um and then we have self-pleasure which is separate to intimate relationships, sex um I, although that's just a small part of the book i just want to say because people thought what? it was going to it's a tiny part of the book. Um, and then for me, the biggest one is writing, pre flow writing. Um, I I think I start with words burn me, which is that Sappho quote. I think it is. Yeah. Um, and they really do. I have to moderate how how I allow words to come through me because I can just write and write and write, and that's not always good for my body. But really, allowing the truth of you to come through your voice or the pen or the typing is a deeply intimate relationship. Uh, with the divine. Mm-hmm have I missed anything that you can think of there
0: um well I remember that you broke out to like the creative process like there's writing and also just creation in general which can include writing right but just giving yourself permission whether that's knitting or painting or whatever like that creative process as well because I know that's one that I had totally cut off and when I got back on the sacred feminine path I got much more interested in like what I can make yeah
1: absolutely and and uh yeah I also say I think in it I can't I can draw, but I can't really. I don't feel like I create any beauty out of that. But I can make, that's why altars and ritual are so important to women's spirituality. um, Because we make beauty in mandalas on the earth with the items that we collect. And children do this naturally. They go out and they get an acorn and they get a few leaves and they make pretty patterns. We're making of the divine. We're allowing our creative expression in the 3D objects rather than just how we're taught shut down at school, but we have to paint a certain way. So it's really allowing permission for you to explore that in your own way.
0: Yes. Uh, food came up for me too, right? There's alchemy in food, there's creation in food. Like that's another one, that I think I was like, you know, can be really beautiful too.
1: Mm, Agreed.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to make sure I hold some space for you to talk about some of your, um, you know, you've written a lot of books. So I want to talk about, you know, the, the focus and the emphasis on on your other books as well and i definitely want to make sure we talk about your your most recent one embodied education um, but maybe you could tell me a little bit about and and i want to say uh, just for anyone who's listening um somatic shamanism i know and Kay, I i don't know if you've encountered like the challenges around this word shamanic um so i don't know if you want to speak to that or not i i am aware that that is a word that is specifically refers to um indigenous wisdom tradition from Siberia, I believe. I'm also, and I'm aware that it's kind of a, a you know, colonized term to put on indigenous wisdom across a lot of different cultures. And I'm not also aware of a, a word that we figured out to re- replace it yet, because it seems to me, and I, I would love to hear you talk about this, Kay. It seems to me though, there is a through line between a lot of these indigenous traditions that have survived outside of colonialism and I feel that that is what I'm trying to name when I still use that word. I don't I don't know about you, but um, and I would just love to hear you talk about what, you know, that whole focus of that book
1: as well. Sure. Um, so somatic shamanism, I was aware that that word was potentially um disruptive. <laughs> Uh, and and i I do speak to that within the book i talk about how um as you said all all cultures who existed outside colonialism have have maintained a wisdom a wisdom tradition um which is earth-based based based in reciprocity and respect to gap to the earth to mother earth um and and to the to the land and certainly for me as, as a celt celtic shamanism is named over here in england it's it's not they they don't feel it's appropriated at all and it is indigenous to the lands of England. Um, and so I'm very much rooted in that. And I um come at it from within the book that the our bodies are the tree of life, the the connectivity of of earth and 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 above and below, however you want to whatever you want to name them as. And really the more we can get in touch with our bodies and our relationship with the land and our local community and reclaim that organic, um, decolonial, decolonialized um, and capitalist spirituality. And we teach that to children, whatever we name it and shamanism might not be the word we use. Um, that for me, I think is the missing piece that will really help with safeguarding the earth um, human connection, and our well-being so I hear everything the critique and the, and I do speak more deeply within the book to yeah. it and um and the the book does not template any specific tradition yeah. it allows you to create your own wheel and um, as most cultures do and find your own guides and your own wisdom with in, in relation to the land on which you live or your ancestral land I don't mm-hmm. know if that speaks enough to that Liz
0: yeah, it does. And I was just going to say for myself as my own experience, and again, that the, what I call the sacred feminine is what really kicked the door open to all of this for me. So, um, but a lot of that has evolved organically and intuitively. So there are things that I do that I, um, didn't know until I learned later that, oh, there's a tradition of doing this, you know, or, um, you know i i have a i have a practice of connecting my energy to a world tree uh that i've been doing for a while now or you know honoring the four directions things like that there were things that kind of emerged organically from my own spiritual practice and sitting on the land that just seemed like they wanted to come and um so i'm you know be curious about that for other people as well i do think there's some there's some rooted innate human wisdom about these things that transcends our understanding and even our current ability to dialogue about them and so it's an it would it's an interesting practice which i think your book is inviting people to do is to start to journey into that wisdom of the body and that um that lineage of humanity to connect to that
1: Mm. and the tree is a motif within all wisdom traditions and religions even uh, the tree of life um and even darwin wrote about it so and if we think about and how you say our um ancestry like our ancestry is often done as a tree as well so it's like a motif it is a symbol that is universal and 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 how we find different languages to name that I (laughs) I haven't got the full answer to that but I hear you know all all sides what everybody says about it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely is there anything, because I don't want to skip past it, I'm also like aware of our time, and I want to make sure we talk about mentorship with Goddess, and I want to make sure we talk about embodied education, but is there anything else you'd want to say around this idea of your fleshy knowing? Um, I feel like we have kind of talked about that somewhat already, but. um...
1: Yeah, I think um, currently for for women particularly, I've worked with women and girls my whole career, Um, so, you know, I was head of year when I was a teacher as well, um, so I worked pastorally with uh, predominantly 16 to 18 that was the age range that I worked pastorally with um women are and girls are taught very young not to trust themselves and they're certainly taught not to trust their body their instinct yeah. and their intuition and so for me I'm fully committed to to embedding spirituality in the body and the body's knowing and the body's wisdom um rather than it externally being told by a guru or a teacher or a book so again, the the, the workbooks that I've—they are workbooks, aren't they? They're they're kind of like curriculums to try out. Are really about what works for you, um, and mentorship with goddess. If I just move to that, yeah, was the first book I wrote based on my own perimenopause journey, and I feel it's a rite of passage curriculum to, that can go thirteen to twenty eight. That first. chance we have at individuation and becoming embedded in our own kind of authority and autonomy as women that we often miss and then 37 to 58 let's say that second um, adolescence perimenopause where we also become our truth again and and so mentorship with goddesses is is really connecting to the, the the sacredness of the female form and her authority and her sovereignty and her spiritual authority and exploring that but it it is a it's a holistic well-being curriculum so it comes with the body there's a bit of coachings so with the mind and there's a wellness piece about understanding your body and your nervous system and so I'd be I'd like to and I have tried to um deliver this to teenage girls and they really enjoy it they they do enjoy that it's an alternative way of coming at health education as well as spiritual well-being so that's really what I mean by fleshy knowing remembering that women as well as you know we've just heard we've heard the male voice we've heard the male the male leadership in religion and spiritual spaces and now it's time what 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 is a woman's experience of spiritual Mm. authority and and what is that and so I'm very much interested in, in in being in supporting that becoming the norm The norm, actually, in society Mm. that women have a spiritual authority.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. I love that. Well, and I'm curious, too, because we're talking specifically about women, and I know that you can't speak for your partner, but you have also just written a book with him, right, called Embodied Education. And I wonder in your exploration of that, I want to hear about that book, too. But, um, you know, what's your understanding or perspective on the embodied piece for the male body individuals in our in our lives, sure.
1: Oh, and I have two sons as well as a daughter. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I do understand that. And what I love about nervous system education is that bodies are bodies are bodies, and and we all have um a a nervous system that operates in a similar way, and um, although our stress and survival responses can be different according to gender and conditioning, but for me. Um, the embodiment piece is as important for men as it is for women and, and boys as it is for girls in different ways. And I cannot <laughs> um, speak to the male experience, um, but I, I can know that my when my husband has come on this journey with me and really started to regulate his nervous system, um, he sees the benefit of embodied ways of knowing and can go into his body to get other information and um that that, that is beyond the, the strength of his mind which is really strong so he sees and has experienced the benefit of it and believes that we need that for boys in education as, as much as we need it for girls. Does
0: that mm-hmm. answer it? Yeah, it it does. Um and it's you know it's, I have a son too uh and so I'm kind of it's just my head was spending a little bit about that. I think my kids are still kind of coming into their their bodies fully and their understanding of self. They're still, they're still young. So um but yeah that's interesting. Um is there any more you want to say about this book that you wrote together embodied education, creating safe spaces for learning, facilitating and sharing? Um, we'd just love to hear your they call it a pitch, but I know you're not pitching us anything here. But no, no. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, this um, is a is a piece where we are. It's a visionary document. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it is very visionary, and it's about let's imagine. Let's open the door to start to imagine how education could be. Mm-hmm. And this is we de- we define education as anywhere where. Someone is sharing knowledge with someone else. So it covers a wide range of forums, including schools. And so the current education system here in the UK um, uh, not meeting the needs of even the majority anymore. Okay. Yeah. And particularly post-COVID. Um, we've seen an increase in um children who are choosing and don't want to go to school and an increase in, in parents that are homeschooling children. Yeah. and and so it's just not working. So we're opening the door. That's how we describe this book to let's imagine if we bring the the body into education alongside the mind because we need both. but there's no learning really without parasympathetic ventral vagal nervous system. Until we get ourselves into the green zone of curiosity and connectedness, we're not going to be able to access critical thinking, higher order thinking and creative thinking. So therefore, what are we doing? If we're if we're educating children in a system where their bodies feel unsafe, they can't use the toilet when they want to. They can't hydrate. They're too hot. They're in scratchy uniforms. So just some of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. and we, we we facilitated views for this and that was people's experience school trauma what are we doing where's it ed- how is education happening? So I know we're about probably two decades ahead of it where anywhere you know the kind of collective can really think and I don't think we're special because we're doing that and um, but if we can affect some questions and some discussion around this that's the purpose of this document this book.
0: Mm-hmm. I really love that, and it takes, um, you know, and, and I want to say this and just to reflect back to you because I hear you saying that as well, but you know, in a non-capitalist, non-hierarchical, ar- hark- hierarchical way. But it also t- it takes the forerunners, <laughs> you know, it takes the person who's willing to put it down on paper and be like, hey, I, I learned about this in grad school around social movements, like you know, they they called it the French, right? Like those people over here were talking about something that feels really radical and different, really early on. But then later those ideas tend to work their way after people are initially resistance perhaps or whatever, like they work their way into the mainstream. So I feel like that's a nice tee up to you for this last question that I wanted to ask you, which was um, how do you relate and understand your work to the context of the, the current world that we're living in, in terms of like, I mean, we can't even say climate change anymore you know like climate collapse like the, I feel like we're late stage capitalism all of this how do you how do you see and relate your work to 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 that and and maybe a, a related kind of follow-up question is um I don't want to ask if you have hope but but maybe it is you know like what your hope is that that this work might be contributing to for the future for your children and and, and future descendants
1: and I guess if I was to summarize um we as humans have operated for for too long just in the in the mind space, and so coming into the body, dropping into the body, and I'm just going to credit my mentor Irene Lyon, who's a nervous system specialist, who I have done all my education with. Um, at, you know this all nervous system education I have, she's credited in all of my workbooks, are due to her courses and her education. Um dropping into the nervous system the future of the planet and of the of 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 the goodness that is possible within humanity can be found within a regulated nervous system and a can and us reconnecting with our bodies and so that is the focus of my work that is the, the drive and and um that is my hope it's not it pathologizing the body and emotions and spirituality hasn't worked. It's it, look at the state of, of the world and, and the amount of people who are taking medication. Mm-hmm. Um and so we are coming to a, a brick wall where we're gonna have to look at the body in a different way. And my small part of that is looking at the body within education and within spirituality and religion. Um and so that's my hope my hope is that we all are able to start to feel and tend to our bodies and it, we will automatically tend to the earth when we do that
0: mm-hmm.
1: i hope the answer
0: it. yeah it really does and, and that answer to me also takes me out of a place of like you know i feel like there's a lot of dialogue around are we going to save the planet or not which of course the planet's going to be here <laughs> we're talking about the wrong thing right <laughs> she's saving herself right now by injecting us like she's fine um but if, what we're really saying is saying saving humanity but i think what your your answer just made me feel into and there's a strange well it might not seem like it would be comforting there's a strange comfort to it is that it's not about who survives and who doesn't but how we live how we actually live um yeah and there's something that comes over me that feels very soothing just thinking about that mm.
1: thank you
0: yeah
1: and can I just what you said about yeah. climate uh, and the earth like I look and go why she literally we are at her um and mercy's the wrong word we're we we Like, why on earth do we think that we're going to destroy her? Like, literally, she will create equilibrium and balance. That is the shamanic principle. Yeah. I need balance, reciprocity. If we're not giving reciprocity, at one point, it will just tip. So that's why I'm kind of like, there is a great comfort within the surrender of of coming back to the body and the earth, and that the balance will restore that way. And and I bring that lens to spirituality and um, education.
0: Mm, I love it. Well, I love all that you're doing. Such a joy to be in conversation with you. My heart feels very full. So thank you for thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. And thank you for doing the work that you're doing. It's so meaningful and really powerful. So I, I have much gratitude to you.
1: And to you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all of your work, Liz, too.
0: Appreciate mm, you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. Just gonna throw you in this big love fest. I'm so glad that you're here and that you wanna listen. Um you can, if you like the show, you can leave it a favorable review. You can um, tell all your friends about it. You can subscribe. You can do all those things. Reach out to me. If you've got thoughts as always on social media, I'll put that in the show notes, how you can do that. And until next time, please take very good care of yourself and this beautiful body that you get to inhabit. And I'll talk to you again soon. is hosted by me, Liz Kelly. You can visit me online at hometoher.com where you can find show notes and other episodes. You can read articles about the sacred feminine and you'll also find a link to join the home to her Facebook group for lots more discussion and exploration of her. You can also follow me on Instagram at home to her to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you back here soon.